podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Minefield podcast from Anfield Index Pro. As always, I am your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Andrew Vincent. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. Got to be careful about saying partner in crime right now because people can't see me, but you were making fun of my hat because and my sweatshirt because you said I look like a criminal. So today, <laughs> hopefully we're not up to that much crime, but I am dressed for it if we need to be. Andrew? There was no accident that those words were chosen to introduce mm. us in the podcast. You do look like you are going to go and rob some uh, old people. But anyway, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> it's, no. Let me go change my clothes. <laughs> what we are here for is to finally discuss some LFC wins and 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 from a perspective of you know something maybe slightly different that not a lot of fans would think about and it is how having a in inverted commas big game can bring out the best in us but let's look at things first from the viewpoint of the importance of that win against rangers that 7-1 away win against rangers mm-hmm. and how the tactically the the management team decided to try something different something that we've all been calling out for get mo closer into the goal so he can score mm-hmm. do you think there is a lot of importance to how that game was managed and how it played out in terms of heading into the game against manchester city and the overall reframing for us as a fan base but also the team that Guys, you are good. You, in fact, you're exceptionally good, and you're good enough to take on anybody. Um, hmm. I think the game against City might have been good either way. You know, I, I think from a confidence standpoint, um, you know, certainly it helps to get some people on the score sheet. Like that can feel like a big relief for individual players, and maybe on a tactical level, like just having another game in that system you know, helps you reinforce that system. But that game is also so different mentally from the challenge in front of you for the Manchester City game that, um, you know, like I think it's it's easy and maybe a little too easy to be like, okay, Rangers got us confident again and then we were confident for Manchester City. Um, and so that's why that Manchester City game was so, such a good performance. Um, because I think like the reality is like, you know, even though fans are more extreme in how they track the narratives, um, not a lot of us felt very confident going into Manchester City. You know what I mean? Like, we just saw 7-1 against Rangers, but I don't think any of us were like, cool, we're ready for City now. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that, like, within the camp, they know that City is different from Rangers. They know how different those games are, the demands that are different, the difference in challenges. And, um, you know, I think maybe it relieves the burden from some people, reinforces those tactics, and that's preparation. But it, I don't think that was like a narrative-changing game or anything like that. Okay. So while it may have <clears throat> helped them tweak a few tactical decisions that maybe haven't been as as important and it allowed other players to you know really shine it it didn't it wouldn't necessarily have given the team massive confidence going into the city game 
I'm wondering though, is the reverse true? True, where do you think confidence within the players would have been low going into that Rangers game, or do you believe that they have enough self belief that this is just a bit of a blip that we can actually turn around, so we don't need to not be confident? I think. I think we should talk about the relationship between confidence, self-belief, and focus. Okay. Because sometimes like we put those things together in a way where self-belief and confidence are the same thing. And I think um, you know, like there's overlap there for sure, and there's overlap with focus, all those things relate to each other. Um, but I think you can believe in yourself and know you're good enough but still not feel confident. Like if you imagine confidence is sort of like the emotional state that comes with a certain degree of self-belief. And so I work with players all the time, right? Who are, they know they can be good and they know they have the skills. So the self-belief in some ways is there, but they don't have that feeling of clicking. They don't have that feeling of like, I'm in this flow state. It feels sort of easy. I'm itching for the next game. Like I'm just ready to attack what's in front of me. I know exactly what I need to do. That sort of thing. Um, and so sometimes what'll happen is you'll have people who are chasing the feeling of, you know, you can call it momentum, you can call it flow, you can call it confidence, but they're chasing that like cluster of emotions and feelings of like, okay, I'm here instead of focusing on building self-belief and using self-belief as like the basis for focus. And so when I say that, like, what do I mean is like, self-belief what are you good at what do you do what are you as an athlete and a player and uh you know on the field what are you effective at and how do you use that to build your focus and this is something i talk with people about all the time is like people want to start with confidence how do i feel good and then i'll focus on doing my things and like that'll happen naturally and i think that's backwards how do you focus on the right things if you're focusing on the right things eventually get your moment and then you're going to feel good and so start start with the self-belief use that to build focus that's going to bring that feeling that you're chasing which we refer to as confidence okay that's really interesting and can particular tactics negatively negatively influence that because if you have a belief have the self-belief that, okay, let's go with Salah. If you have the self-belief that I am one of the best goal scorers in the world and your coach is saying to you, you need to stick out on the sideline as much as possible. I'm not saying that that is what Klopp has said, but it's what it's looked like. What does that do to you as an individual player? Or, you know, do you lose... Do you lose just a bit of confidence, not only in yourself, or not at all in yourself, and just in the system and the tactics and the coach? Yeah, typically it's just super frustrating. (laughs) That's that's my experience. Like, so it's a little different in hockey where I do a lot more of my work. But like, um, you know, I've I've worked with soccer players who deal with this too. Is that they, you know, if we're talking about self belief. And like, what am I good at? And how do I want to play? What am I capable of? And then there's a system in front of them where they feel like they're given a role that has nothing to do with how they see themselves. Like, you know, I see it all the time where, you know, people will be like, well, like, fuck, that's it. You know, like, I can't do my things. Like, I don't know how to get a chance. And, um, you know, it's, it definitely affects that cluster of feelings. Mm-hmm. of confidence of like flow and that kind of state of things feeling really easy and you're feeling really good about yourself and that all just feeling really automatic um you know sometimes it can create it creates some issues in self-belief where it's like okay well here's what i think i am but the coaches must not think i'm good enough to do that and so you know like i don't know what to do with that and what should i be focusing on and let me try this like thing over here and this is what i need to do to get into the role i actually want and you know those thoughts can start to develop and then you see what that does to focus like what should i pay attention to even just all the thoughts i had there there's so many question marks about Mm -hmm. what do i need to pay attention to in order to be at my best and so you know if you've got kind of this 
triangle of self-belief and focus and confidence, um, you know, all of those start to like and tank. That being said, if you ask that person, hey, how good could you be if you were given exactly the role you want and exactly the circumstance you want, often there's a, oh, I could be really good. Like, I, I know that I can perform in that situation. Um, yeah, so that, that that's something that definitely comes up. Yeah, and I could imagine, certainly at, say, the level of a Mo Salah, where, like, it's the elite of the elite. Probably it takes a lot more for the self-confidence to be or sorry, the self-belief to be um, knocked. Yeah. You know, like at that level. So I can imagine with an up-and-coming uh, player who's maybe younger, that's where that can come into play. Or mm-hmm. or somebody who's maybe in a, in a few lower leagues and they're not at that elite level, but to have got to that point, you have to have mm-hmm. had so, so much self-belief. Plus, you have also got all the evidence to back up that belief by getting there. So that's so important. Right. Now, Take us then into looking into from the team's perspective versus our perspective as fans looking into the game against Manchester City. What would have been the important bits there? So I think this is a really good example of how self-belief and focus can create good energy and sort of like that emotional package that comes with confidence. Um. So I think in comparison to if you would ask most fans, like if you would poll a group of fans and said, can we beat Manchester City? Most of us would have said, we can, but we're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, this team maybe doesn't have that performance in it right now. Um, but we would have said we, we can, I think. Like it's possible, you know, like the, the talent is there. It's different than when you're in the group and you're the people who have that talent and you have the opportunity. And so you know if we do exactly what we need to, we have to be really good. We have to execute in a level we haven't been executing at. But if we do, like we can play with these guys. But we have to compete with them. Um, it's a really different challenge than playing Fulham or something like that where Fulham isn't going to demand your best. You might go into that game, even if you're in a slump, feeling like, oh, we should beat this team. And so we should beat this team, and we have to be at our best, are two different things. We should beat this team as an outcome, first of all. Like, it doesn't have a process focus. You're not paying attention to what do we need to do specifically to beat Fulham. Why? Because we should beat them. So I don't need to think that hard about where or why or how or what are the tactics of it whereas Man City I need to be perfect I need to do this to cover Holland I need to do this to shut down De Bruyne I need to do this with this intensity and like immediately there's self-belief there in both we should beat this team because we're better that's a belief I have about myself I can beat City if I'm perfect that's a a different thought pattern for self-belief but it's there I can do this but I need to be focused in the right way um and so, you know, that's totally shifts the approach to the game then and then what you see in the game. And it's why, you know, one of the things I really wanted to make time to talk about today is like why difficult opponents can be great for struggling teams. Um, because so often we think like, oh, shit, we're in bad form and we're playing Manchester City. And that's like the worst game we could possibly have right now. And my thought is actually, no, just the opposite. It's one of the best games that we could have right now. I was actually really glad about the timing of Arsenal and Man City. Arsenal obviously didn't bring the best out of us, but Manchester City did. Um, I actually, at the end of September, I had texted my brother and I said, we're going undefeated in October. Like, I, I just have this feeling, like looking at the games and the way they fell and the games against Rangers and then where Arsenal and Manchester City fell, I was like, we're, by the end of October, we're going to be clicking. And I just had that feeling. I, like, I wasn't even just saying it. I believed it. And part of it is because the, there were easy games that give us a chance to work on things. There's challenging games that will pull the best out of us. And, like, Manchester City proved to be that kind of game. Mm. And I'm wondering, just listening to you describe that, if we look back from the start of the season to now... Based on 
how things have gone over the last few years, we pretty much have beaten everybody except Manchester City. So is there a potential for the the, the players to, and, and maybe Klopp and the, and the management team, to have had that, how you described looking at Fulham, going, we should beat this team? I, You know, I think so. I think definitely. And this is something all the time, like, there's this idea, well, you should play every game like it's Man City. You know, just pretend you're playing Man City every game. And um, I understand the thought process behind that, but it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a player and you're getting ready for that game, you know you're playing Fulham. And so if you're going to pretend you're playing Man City, it takes mental energy to pretend. You know, like there's other ways of getting yourself really dialed in to attack Fulham and get the best out of yourself. Um, but pretending that it's Manchester City for me is not um, the best, most efficient way of doing that because, yeah. like, you know, it's not anyone who's ever played a sport and has been on a team where they knew they were supposed to beat the team they were playing and they tried to pretend, okay, this is one of the hardest teams we play. They like you know you're pretending like you know like you know yeah. that feeling pretending and you can see the people around you in the locker room trying to engage in that or the you know the parent or the coach who's saying okay do it like this but like it doesn't matter like you know you're pretending. Mm. And you know I think with that then, if you bring in some tactical tweaks that maybe aren't embedded for whatever reason due to lack of of coaching due to overthinking due to players not being able to execute at the level that maybe you had hoped all of those alongside a belief that we should beat everybody except Mm -hmm. Manchester City I could definitely see that equates to or could equate to how we've been so far this season and Mm -hmm. every game you go into it's still with that yeah but we should beat this team, so it should be okay. And then we actually have the anomaly of Bournemouth. And I'm wondering now, listening to you, does that actually ne- has the potential to negatively feed into that process? Where it's like, see, there we are. We're grand. Everything's mm-hmm. all right. We've just smashed somebody 9 nil, So it's all mm-hmm. all right. And then we go out and we're back to the same poor execution of the process that we have because maybe we're not as dialed into it as we could be or should be. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like a, a feeling of playing at your best. And so like, let's use Virgil van Dijk as an example because he hasn't been at his best and he hasn't really been able to find it until Manchester City. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, the analogy that I want to use that I was thinking about before we talked is like... Um, if you wake up late and you have to get ready for work and you're rushing and you know, okay, I've got 15 minutes before I need to be in my car or whatever, it's amazing how quickly you can get ready. If you wake up and you have, let's say, a slow morning or you're going in late or something and you have three hours to get ready for work, even when you save yourself just like 15 minutes at the end or whatever or you like you can't get ready in 15 minutes the same way. Like, it's really difficult. Like, you're going to find it. It's just like that urgency isn't there. And it's just because there's a reality that when you only have 15 minutes to get ready or you're going to be late, the situation demands that speed. And, like, that focuses your mind. In some ways, it's the automatic processes of your brain that that focuses in a way where, like, you have to do that manually if you're trying to trick yourself into getting ready in 15 minutes when you have three hours. Like, if you start at the start in that three hours and say, I'm going to get totally ready for work so I can just enjoy, like, the next two hours before I have to go in, I'll pretty much guarantee you it's going to take you longer than the urgent situation. And that's kind of, like, that. Ha- it's about what the environment is demanding of you. And so when we talk about flow, there's two sides of, like, this flow model. We're most likely to get in this state of being in the zone or in flow um, when our perceived ability is in line with the perceived challenge of the task. Sometimes we focus a lot on the perceived part of that, 
perception is something we have some control over or some way to manipulate by thinking about things differently. But, like, there's also just part of it. What we perceive about the world is based in the reality of the world often, somewhat, you know, to some extent. And, like, if the world doesn't give you just that 15 minutes, it's hard to perceive yourself as having this challenge of I only have 15 minutes. So moving to Virgil van Dyke, one of the things that I think is especially hard for an athlete and especially a high-level athlete is demanding a really focused and engaged performance from yourself when the game isn't requiring that from you. And I know like some people will be like, well, Virgil was getting beat all over the place, so it was demanding more from him, or like he wasn't playing well. And it's like, yeah, but like it's just different. Defending Erling Holland in the constellation of like this city team or in the context of this city team is just different from Neil Maupay or whatever, <laughs> however you describe that. You know? Like just they're they're different challenges, they're different tasks. Erling Holland is fifteen minutes to get ready. <laughs> Neil Maupay, sorry, Neil. But, you know, that's that's having a slow morning. Right? And so, you know, it's just we forget often how the environment can demand our attention in different ways and how big of a role that plays. And then, you know, my guess is the city game does give us more confidence because it like it helps us access a feeling, if that makes sense. What does it feel like to play at that level? And we haven't had that experience yet this year. And you need that in order to get clicking, you know? Like now we know where it is, you can return to there more quickly, if that makes some sense. So I'm hoping all of these like analogies and things are coming across in a way that's reasonably clear. I don't know how long Virgil van Dyke takes to get ready. <laughs> 20 minutes. You know, you're, you're, you're right, though. And I'm listening to you, and what I'm hearing is procrastination. We are procrastinating or have been procrastinating as a team. So one of the big uh, – so uh, I've probably mentioned a few times on here, I do a lot of work around anxiety with people – one of the biggest things that people get anxious about is their own procrastination. It's when they have the three hours and they still end up being late. And what happens then is we get into this self-criticism mode of what the hell is wrong with me that everybody else in the world seems to be able to, you know, get into work on time, but I'm not. But I know deep down that I've been looking at my phone and YouTube and I've been reading, listening to Anfield Index Pro podcasts, you know, instead of actually getting ready, right? But if we take that and expand it into a team, if there is a, a team pro procrastination, you might have a good game and go, right, no, that's it. I, I have 15 minutes to get ready in this game. But they've all gotten into that way of working where it's like, We've got three hours to win this match. And then all of a sudden, they don't. And then they haven't won the match. And then all of a sudden, they are 14 points behind first place Arsenal. And it was really interesting to me to watch them last night. We're recording on Thursday here after beating West Ham to see what the response was going to be in the West Ham game. And the first half was definitely a continuation of that flow. And the second half wasn't, which mm -hmm. makes it even more interesting, not from a fan perspective, but from the psychological perspective, what's going to happen against Nottingham Forest? Because mm -hmm. we should beat them. Right. So That's I'm wondering, a scary game. Mm. That's a scary game in terms of the kind of performance that, that could show up. Because, like, you know, obviously this is a team... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy.
by searching for Anfield Index. Not Nottingham Forest, but us, that historically has found our level against all different kinds of opponents. Um, you know, and had the ability to do that. But it's a really hard thing to be able to do to demand, to find a way to get the best out of yourself in games that don't demand the best out of you. And that's not about always like intensity and urgency and forcing things. Like sometimes that's actually about patience and waiting for your moments. And like it's about um, knowing your moments really well as a team and being able to hold tight and know that those are going to come and being able to wait for those and then attacking those hard when they happen. Um, and I think that's one of the things too is like, you know, you talk about procrastination and being hard on yourself and, you know, that cycle. And yeah, I could see that similar thought pattern unfolding in a team here and maybe our team here too. Obviously, I don't know what's going on in the inside, but it's like, you know, we lose to Fulham or we tie Fulham and then I forget what the second game was, but, you know, we have this other draw that like we shouldn't have drawn. And, um, you know, then it starts to be like, well, shoot, like those were games we should have won. Like, why didn't we win those games? What's wrong with us that we didn't win those games? Like now I really need to do it. Now I really need to do it. And sometimes it's actually that added pressure. It's a, with procrastination too, it's this added pressure you put on yourself of like, well, now I really need to make this thing happen. You're changing your approach to your play. And this is like a funny thing all the time. Like I, I, I see light bulbs go off in people's heads when I talk to them about this, but like what they're searching for is consistency. And so I, I ask them like, how do you approach a game? And we'll go with hockey because I work with a lot of hockey players, but in hockey you take for people who don't know for ice hockey, like um, you take short shifts. So you're usually out there for 45 seconds, maybe even like 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and the game has 60 minutes of like in play time. But so even if you're going to play for half an hour, you're going to take like, 35 or 40, 45 second shifts, whatever, right? So hockey players often think of the game in terms of shifts. So it's like, so they're saying, well, I'm struggling with consistency. And so I say, okay, like, let's say you go out and you have three shifts and nothing really happens in your first three shifts. Like what's going on in your head? And the really typical answer is, oh, I got to make something happen in my fourth shift. Okay, well, what if something doesn't happen in my fourth shift? Well, then I have to really shift things up and click into gear. Like, I've got to push myself really hard. Okay, well, what if nothing happens for you after the first period? Like, maybe it hasn't gone bad, but you haven't accomplished anything yet. Well, you know, maybe it's just not there tonight, and I've got to kind of change my game so I'm just defensively solid and not, you know, making the game harder on my teammates. In 20 minutes of hockey, this person has changed their approach to the game three different times. And that's why they're inconsistent. That's the definition of inconsistency, right? Is because as the game goes on, I keep changing my approach over and over because of this game I'm playing with myself in my head. And that part of that's related to the pressure that I'm putting on myself because things haven't happened the way I think they're supposed to yet. And so that's something that can easily start happening is you beat yourself up, you're pushing things a little bit, you're forcing things, and then you're asking why you're not consistent. It's like, well, that's why. Sometimes it's just... It's about patience more so than intensity and being intense in the right moments. And, you know, that's a very clock phrase, right? Is intensity yeah. in the right moments. Um, you know, there's definitely been times this year where we just haven't been intense at all. I'm not entirely sure what that's about. But then I also feel like I can think of times where there was just intensity in the wrong moments and that led to us being really disorganized and easy to counterattack. And, and it looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, when we look at what's been successful for us, you know, usually Sadio and Mo have always been in flow where they may not be in top form at the same time, but usually one of them will step in when the other one maybe is having a bit of a rough mm -hmm. patch and vice versa. And listening to you there, I'm, I'm essentially hearing you describe Nunes at the moment. You know, he's doing his processes are all really, really good. <laughs> except for that I have to make this work. I have to score from 40 yards. I have to score. I have to score. I have to score. I have to score. When there are other people he should and could be laying the ball off to or maybe mm -hmm. making different decisions. And it, no, it's probably a symptom of 
a number of different things. You know, maybe with Benfica, he was the main person and he didn't have Mo Salah or Diogo Jada or Bobby Firmino or, you know, anyone else around him who could, who maybe are as good, if not better than him. So he had to be the main guy and he had to shoot from 40 yards every time he got the, a chance because the pressure was on him. But now he doesn't. And yeah, I really it. enjoy watching him play. And like part of it is because he lacks the mental maturity to his game that I think will develop. And so like he's such a wild card. And yeah. um, he'll be a wild card like later. But like after we won against it in the final whistle blew, some of his decisions made me smile. <laughs> At the time, less so. And probably didn't make most smile either. But like... You know, part of it, I think, is who he is as a player. Like, I, he's a glory hunter. Like, let's just call it what it is, right? Like, he wanted that goal. That's why he didn't pass. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's why he didn't pass. He wanted that goal. He thought he could score it, so he did it, you know? He had a pullback to um, Carvalho, and he tried to go across the goal to Trent. I actually think that was a nice play. I, I think... But having that ambition, like wanting that glory, that's also part of what's going to make you a good striker. Don't lose that. It's about picking your moments still. But like, um, yeah, I, I enjoy watching him play a lot. But yeah, like there's some mental maturity that could be gained there in terms of patience and attacking your moments. And more more of that, though, is about um, not being too hard on yourself when nothing is happening. It doesn't mean slacking off. But it does mean just being patient and trusting that that moment is going to come and staying ready for that moment to come. And I think that's one of the hardest things for athletes to do, especially in like a a sport like soccer, well, football, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, it's not there's not a ton of goals. Mm -hmm. Right. And so unless you're playing Rangers, I guess, or Bournemouth, (laughs) like. you know, it might just happen like you might go three games without scoring and it's not any fault of your own it's not something you're doing wrong um you know it's just the ball's not going in the net for you but it's really hard to be a goal scorer and have those three games four games five games and not start to doubt yourself and try something different and then lose consistency and then you know that's going to make it work it's really tough to stay patient for that long and stay believing in your processes and keeping consistent in your focus yeah and i think probably the some of the biggest work the the coaching staff are going to have to do with him is actually getting him to trust himself that he has the ability to take his time to be patient and because for me and this is just me he is showing through his movement and his work ethic that he has everything that's needed the only thing that's missing so far from what I can see is composure when it comes to Mm -hmm. shooting so he's very much in the people call him a shit Andy Carroll right but for me he reminds me more of a Jibril Cisse you know in 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 terms of his shooting so it's I'm going to hit the ball as hard as I can and uh, you know I'm going to hope that it's gone in so the, the one last night where he hit the post that was actually an easy place for, for mm-hmm. someone at that level. He, all he had to do was just place that in the corner. But he hit it as hard as he could and it whacked off the post. There's been a couple of other ones where, you know, he's hitting the ball as hard. And it looks fantastic when the keeper makes a f- phenomenal save. But with more composure, mm-hmm. you are one of the fastest players. You are, Well, you've topped out at the fastest speed in the league this season. You were the fastest speed in the Champions League, Champions league last season. Like, you are fast enough to get past these defenders and put yourself in an easier position to score or bring somebody else on board. So Mm -hmm. I think if they can teach him to trust himself that he has the ability to be composed and take his time, that he doesn't need to be scattergun firing all over the place, Mm -hmm. that's where we'll see the evolution of him. And that's where a lot of the managers may be with, you know... uh, uh, a Gibraltar CC and Andy Carroll, you know, whoever it might be, they didn't have the manager who was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Nunes does with Klopp. So I have no worries about him at all. Whenever I'm working with an athlete who wants to develop more patience, 
and more composure or poise, like on the ball, on the puck, in possession. One of the things I tell them that they need to go do in practice is turn the ball over. And, like, it makes no sense, but, like, I think especially you're looking at Nunes, who's coming from a league, Portugal, I don't watch enough Portuguese soccer to know, but the idea there is there's more time on the ball, right? The Premier League is the fastest league in the world, and people are going to come closing you down hard and fast, and that reputation is going to be in your head. So if you're Nunes and you're coming to this new place, some part of you is going to be like, I got to get the ball, I got to get off the ball quick, I got to get my shot away quick, I have to do everything fast, which doesn't lend itself to patience. That's true. The only way to get, like, the phrase I use that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense but seems to get the point across is, like, like you have to fail on both sides of the spectrum to understand where the spectrum is. That means you have to hold on to the ball for too long in order to know how much time you actually have. Unless you've lost the ball, you don't know how much more time you had. There was more time. So if you're shooting before the pressure is fully there, if you're shooting before someone's closed you down then, you know, obviously that's good. In the long term, that's what we want, but you don't know how much space you actually have. And so I'll encourage athletes like, okay, this week during practice, wait until someone takes the ball from you. You know, like, don't just like stand there and hang out or whatever, but like, you know, hold the ball until someone takes it from you. Take all of your space and like keep messing around with that until you really understand how much space and time you have. And sometimes like that can be really helpful for people because if you never give yourself permission to fail by taking too long, um, then you don't build that like uh, sense. And it's kind of like a sixth sense for how long do I have. And so you have to do that a bunch of times before you can understand what's going on there. And part of that's just like building this habit and building this sense and building this level of perception. So, you know, I think that's a really good point. And, um, you know, patience there and teaching him to, to trust his finishing might also just be about... Um, building his awareness of how much time he has in situations where he has more time than he realizes. And part of that could just be about this narrative of the Premier League, which is the fastest league in the world, and people are going to come in and clobber you if you take too much time. And sure, they might, but like, um, he's not taking too much time yet. He's not taking enough time. Yeah, that's that's really, really fascinating. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And if we add on top of that, He's coming in with a massive reputation, a lot of goals, and he has come in at the same time as the other biggest striker in the world, you know, who has come in and he has hit the ground running. So there is all this internal pressure. It's not even external pressure. But I'd say what we hope for him, like we'll give him way more time as fans than probably he is giving himself to fail. And with anything in life, we have to allow ourselves to fail. And that's part of the problem that we have with so much, well, certainly I see with so much anxiety. It's because people don't know it's okay to fail and mm-hmm. that they have actually got the ability to deal with whatever comes up most of the time. So there's rarely right. anything that any of us face on a day-to-day basis that we can't overcome. Mm-hmm. Rarely. In yeah. real terms, that's you know potentially life-ending to us, which is where the anxiety is kicking in. And I think that is the thing. And, and I've been saying it for probably three or four weeks about Nunes now. He just needs to give himself a break and it's okay to make mm-hmm. mistakes. But like yeah. that, he's not giving himself enough space to make those mistakes on the pitch because I would say he feels like he has to hit the ground running and that he's already way behind because he missed three matches because of a ban that was down to him. And Haaland has completely taken the league by storm but look what happens when Haaland's up against the mm-hmm. the best defender in the world yeah right and you know nothing I, like yeah we did a really good job shutting him down and I mean like that took such a team effort and I I think that um you know the the demands of that game brought out the best in us I don't want to say hey we're there now because i've seen teams like this that play really well against good teams and struggle against bad teams and um i don't that might just be part of what we have to work through this year and part of what we have to figure out what does it look like for the group of players we have available and for this team to put away a lower level opponent and like that's you know if you think about two years ago 
or whenever, you know, whenever we ran away with the league, that was something we were really good at. And it wasn't about we were always firing 100% all the time. We weren't blowing away every small team. What it was was that we were really good at understanding be patient with the game, put pressure on them, wait, the opportunity is going to come. Think about how many times those breakthrough goals came late in games and like how how many times we talked about on this podcast how good we were at knowing and trusting if we just stick to our processes, this is going to happen for us. And we didn't force things and we got the goals like 80th minute plus very often. And that's missing for this team right now. I don't think this team knows how do I have to play against I don't know, less demanding opposition, less intense opposition um, to put them away. And that means things like controlling the game because a lot of these draws that we've had this year, we had the lead at one point and then we threw it away. Um, you know, controlling the start of a game or coming out and putting intense pressure at the start of the game, we give the first goal away a lot, you know? So like, um, you know, that's it's about a process and a game plan for dealing with that kind of opponent rather than pretend every opponent's Man City. You know, you still have to be executing your process well, you know, and you have to be committed to and focused on executing your process well. But it helps if you know your process really clearly. And like, there's just, we don't have that yet. We don't know that really clearly. What does it look like for this group and this team with these tactics and this evolution to beat a team, you know, that's maybe a team we should be, quote unquote. And maybe West Ham, you know, we won that game. You know, we didn't play well in the second half, but we won that game. And, you know, maybe coming away from there with the three points gives us a lesson. Um, hey, look, West Ham's a tougher team than Nottingham Forest, obviously. And plays different. Um, but still, it's a game at Anfield that all of us would say, okay, we should win this game. Um, so maybe there's some lessons we can take from it. Absolutely, there is lessons. And I think, you know, when we were winning games not only did we know that we could trust the process and it was going to work out most of the time the opposition also knew that they had to try and be alert the whole way through mm -hmm. to 92 93 94 97 minutes that's a long time to have to be concentrating on every single mm -hmm. moving part in a, in a football match so that's where we were able to grind teams down and us not conceding the first goal the last two matches is huge it is absolutely huge and it allows us the platform to then push on and once we get that first goal feel more confident that we actually mm -hmm. can win it because I don't think we've lost a game this season when we've gone in front I don't think so uh, we tied Bournemouth and there's another game where we got but we didn't lose we didn't know we didn't lose i don't think we've lost one i think that's true yeah but i think we've drawn two or three yeah but everton the, did we go in front in everton no, or did it was we nil nil. no score was it nil nil <laughs> are you sure i thought it was one one <laughs> maybe it wasn't okay so we definitely didn't go behind <laughs> yeah we definitely didn't go behind uh, i'm gonna <laughs> while we're, we're here i'm actually gonna check it because now this is great news for uh for all of you guys, uh, let's go. Uh, Everton nil, Liverpool nil. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Oops. Don't ever, don't ever doubt me, Andrew. Don't ever doubt me. <laughs> Won't happen again. Good. Um, but yeah, we haven't lost because we we've we were beaten by Arsenal, beaten by Napoli, beat by, beaten by Man U, and of those defeats, we've gone behind. And they were. We've gone behind to teams that are better equipped to deal with us and better equipped to know our our general process. Mm -hmm. But how we played in those matches with the lack of intensity and everything, that's maybe one of the things that kind of fed into it. Well, and you know, you go behind a goal. You think like let's think about kind of this like procrastination analogy and mindset, and then also you know the consistency thing. Like I was talking about before. Um, you go down a goal and then you put more pressure on yourself. Shit, now we really have to do this. Now we have to work even harder. That's a, it's a recipe for inconsistency, inconsistency in process. And inconsistency in process, you know, means usually 
being a little bit more mentally scattered and struggling to find yourselves a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, and one of the things I like about Klopp as a manager is like, um, he has a clear understanding that like to build a process takes time and you build it slowly. And like, you know, clearly throughout all of the ups and downs of this, it's implementing a few things at a time and keeping them simple and getting them before you move on to the next step. And so even through all the false dons and the, Oh, we've got it now, you know, Klopp has said, no, like we have to build slowly. Like, when it's gone well, he's said that we still have a lot to work on. When it's gone gone badly, he's like, "Yep, we have a lot to work on." Still, I told you that last time, and um, yeah, that's true. And so I think, like, really defining that process—that's what's going to allow people to be at a high level, um, because that's the that's the model with flow. Is like you have a challenge for yourself that demands your focus and captures that focus, if that makes sense. And maybe mm-hmm. like the, explaining that a little bit more would be helpful. There's a difference between something demanding your focus, focus and capturing your focus. Like there's overlap there, but like flow doesn't happen because you're pushing yourself so hard. Flow happens because like the task is pulling you. And so if you think about um, I don't know, some situations like music or sport or even like playing a video game or reading something or whatever, like a situation where you're in flow and you're totally caught up in the task, it doesn't feel like you're pushing yourself to that focus. It's like you're engaged and all of a sudden time is gone. And it's like that task is pulling you in. And so like that, that might be a good way of thinking about it too. Sometimes because Western psychology is focused so heavily on individuals and how individuals can manipulate their own emotions and minds to, to accomplish certain things we don't pay enough attention to what's the external task and is that task pulling us in in a certain way and how do we create tasks for ourselves or set up challenges for ourselves or frame challenges in a way that makes them engaging and pulls us in the task does the work we kind of frame the task um and so that's that's what a good process can do is um you know hey i'm playing against like i'm mosalan i'm playing against nottingham forest i'm looking for this gap in the defense when this ball is played and when this gap happens, this is what I'm going to do. Or, you know, here's the coverage I'm looking for. Here's the movement from Trent I'm looking for. And maybe you pick two or three moments and it's like, my goal is to be patient, be ready for these moments and then attack them when it happens. And then it doesn't, you know, in that case, like you can demand a lot from yourself against Nottingham Forest or like that task pulls you in regardless of who you're playing. I think it's, I think it's harder on defense too. And that's, you know, like you think about, how we defended Holland by like pulling back and giving him a little bit more space and just being in the space that he was going to run into. Um, It's a little bit of a different task from what typically is given to our center backs. And so, you know, like it's the focus on that task that allows them to be like engaged and like, okay, I have to do this thing. I have to do this thing. Whereas like, it might not always be as clear um, against other teams, like, oh, what do I have to do to defend this person? It's just sort of like, oh, be good. But that's not a viable instruction. Like, oh, I have to be at my best. Well, what does that mean? That's not a process. You know, that's an outcome. And now you're a little lost. Yeah. And maybe that's where your focus can wander and may not be on the task at hand. And that's where mm-hmm. we become a little bit sloppy. And it's not yep. like, yeah. and, and these guys are elite, elite, elite. Mm-hmm. So, it just seems like that's some of the challenges that they've faced this year where it's they've just maybe lost that bit of focus for whatever reason could be numerous reasons could be individual reasons it could be collective reasons but you know when when you are such a small group of talented players with such a and you're so used to everything just clicking when it doesn't it can take a bit to kind of get back into a new rhythm Mm -hmm. and 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 I certainly didn't give this a lot of thought, but I'd be curious for us to talk about it maybe again a, a, a bit further down the line. Looking at Sadio leaving, looking at Divock leaving, you know, uh, and in terms of the impact that that can have on the structure and the process and how important maybe more so Sadio was to our process than we maybe gave credit to. And understanding then that it's going to take X amount of time and X being we don't know how long mm-hmm. for 
those shoes to be filled in terms of the process. And sometimes maybe it takes two players to replace one player. But none of us really thought too much about that at the time because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a good point is how one player leaving shapes everyone else's process around them and the role they have in the team and what that means both from what they expect from themselves but also like what the team expects for what's next and you know we can kind of see it as fans like you know i think if um if i was to say hey write a script for i don't know like 18 19 19 20 of what is a game going to look like against a bottom three opponent? Like, I think most people would probably say, okay, like Mo or Sadio is going to get a goal. Like we're going to come out we're going to push them really hard to start with. And maybe we'll score early and then the game will be kind of tight. And then we'll get a second one somewhere in the 75th minute after they kind of break and wear down, you know, like that, that's not like a a crazy script, but we know who's going to score there. We know, you know, who's going to do what and like how. And I think if you ask that same thing now, like what is our, to a fan, like what's the script look like? You could talk about an ideal script, but then if you said, well, do you think that's going to happen? Or do you feel confident that's going to happen? Who's going to score? Where's the goal going to come from? Where's the assist going to come from? Like, what's the situation going to be? I think people would be like, I have no idea. And like that same thing, like, I don't know if this team knows their script yet. And part I think of it's that a brand new script. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's really, that's important. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely get into that next time. Andrew, thank you so much for uh, your expertise as always. We would be lost without you. And uh, you're now free to go mug some grannies. That's absolutely fine for you to do in your thieves outfit. And uh, listeners, if you are not subscribers, please do. There is a ton of podcasts going out every single week. And... You know, we got to keep this train running. So we need your help to keep that train running. So please go and support and subscribe to Anfield Index Pro. And if you can't afford it financially, even just a like and a share, give a shout out on your social media makes such a huge difference. Until next time, Andrew, look after yourself and listeners. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.